hesitate. But it has happened. There's no way back. Forty-four. Your teacher's tone is soft with menace. Why did you say that? Twelve twelves are hundred forty-four. You think I'm an idiot? No, sir. I thought you said a hundred thirty-four. I made a mistake. You said a hundred forty-four. I'm sorry, sir. The entire class knows your teacher did not say a hundred forty-four. Or perhaps not the entire class. Much of the class was paying no attention, daydreaming of kites or assault rifles, or rolling nasal residue into balls between the thumbs and forefingers. But some of them know, and all of them know what will happen next, if not the precise form it will take. They watch now in horrified fascination, like seals on a rock, observing a great white breaching beneath one of their own, just a short swim away. Most of you have in the past been punished by your teacher. You, as one of the brightest students, have drawn some of the most severe punishments. You attempt to hide your knowledge, but every so often bravado gets the better of you and it comes out, as it just has, and then there is hell to pay. Today your teacher reaches into the pocket of his tunic, where he keeps a small amount of coarse sand, and grips you by the ear, the sand on his fingertips adding abrasion to the enormous pressure he applies, so that your earlobe is not only crushed, but also made raw and slightly bloody. You refuse to cry out, denying your torturer satisfaction, and ensuring thereby that the punishment you receive is prolonged. Your teacher did not want to be a teacher. He wanted to be a meter reader at the electric utility. Meter readers do not have to put up with children, work comparatively little, and what is more important, have greater opportunity for corruption, and are hence both better off and held in higher regard by society. Nor was becoming a meter reader out of your teacher's reach. His uncle worked for the electric utility. But the one position as meter reader this uncle was able to facilitate went, as all things most desirable in life invariably went, to your teacher's elder brother. So your teacher, who narrowly failed his secondary school final examination, but was able to have the results falsified, and with his false results, a bribe equivalent to 60% of one year's prospective salary, and a good low-level connection in the education bureaucracy in the form of a cousin, secured only the post he currently occupies. He is not exactly a man who lives to teach. In fact, he hates to teach. It shames him. Nonetheless, he retains a small but not non-existent fear of losing his job, of somehow being found out, or if not losing his job, than at least being put in a position where he will be forced to pay yet another and indeed larger bribe in order to retain it. And this fear, augmented by his sense of abiding disappointment, and his not unfounded conviction that the world is profoundly unfair, manifests itself in the steady dose of violence he visits upon his charges. With each blow, he tells himself, he helps education penetrate another thick skull. Penetration and Education the two are intertwined in the lives of many around you. In the life of your sister, for example. She is sobbing when you return home. Lately, she alternates with alarming frequency between suppressed but globular tears and calm airs of smug superiority. At the moment, it is the former. You say, Again? Sit on my dick, you little pussy. You shake your head. You are too weak to retort appropriately, and what's more, too drained to be confident of dodging one of her quick-fire slaps. She notices something is wrong with you. She says, What happened to your ear? 
Teacher. That sister fucker. Come here. You sit beside her and she puts her arm around you, stroking your hair. You shut your eyes. She sniffles once or twice, but she's done crying for now. You say, Are you frightened? Frightened? She forces a laugh. He should be frightened of me. The he she refers to is your father's second cousin, a decade her senior, to whom she is now betrothed. His first wife recently died in childbirth after two earlier miscarriages, and no time has been wasted in arranging him another. Does he still have that mustache, you ask? How should I know? I haven't seen him in years. It's enormous, that mustache. You know what they say about the size of a man's mustache. What? Never mind. So are you frightened? Of what? I don't know. Of leaving. I'd be scared to move back to the village all by myself.